Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. It's Thursday, January the 11th. How's everybody feeling today? Yeah, I love that I can just push button. Everybody's in a good mood. No, actually, I got to work for it. But I bet by the end of the two-hour session today, you guys are going to be smiling. As a matter of fact, I think you're going to be smiling about as big as my on-set guest is smiling right now. What's up, CJ? How you doing? Good morning. What do we owe the pleasure? Oh, you know, more uh, doing things in the legislature. And so, you know, when I'm here, I come by. Okay. Well, do us a favor. Will you eat that microphone today like it's a delicious, big Andy's frozen custard? Mm -hmm. All right. How's that? <laughs> appreciate that very much thanks guys for tuning into the wake up america show you know what to do click that like button and subscribe to the channel and be glad to have you come back here and join us every monday through friday from 7 to 9 a.m central blue trike over on the chat asking the real questions already he says no how much of this intro was made using ai <laughs> let me tell you something ai is not just something that anybody can just waltz into and make what i just made okay it was actually it took me a long freaking time this morning i was busting my ass to make that intro this morning okay i i got that idea at 5 45 this morning and i was like oh my god this is gonna take forever but i'm gonna be able to do it so i hope you enjoyed the super street fighter 2 ai created art it took me freaking forever this morning we barely made it on, on time didn't we that was cool. <laughs> we barely made it on time to get this show started. We were still a couple minutes late. I hope that you enjoyed it this morning. Thanks to Bitchmobile, Matt Unruly, Levin214, Quest Fanning, and of course, Blute Reich and all of our other friends for joining us here live this morning. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about. The big news, Chris Christie is out. Aww. Oh, Wait, wait, dude. There it is. <laughs> Chris Christie is out, and we're all so surprised. I was so surprised. Were you surprised? I mean, I guess the question is, why didn't he do it sooner? Well, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go right? ahead. No, I mean, yeah. like, that's the question for everybody. Like, I mean, I guess now that's no choice, but. So uh, obviously he's got a date with Krispy Kreme, so he's going to be, <laughs> he's busy. Well, he'll have time to go to the gym for those New Year's resolutions. Exactly. Right. I'm sure he will, Camelia. Right. <laughs> we're going to talk about that today at the top of the show. And of course, the big story is Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley were savaging each other last night it was just at the presidential debate two-man debate one man one woman debate uh and i have to say that from the highlights of what i saw you know well, 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 well. you know who won donald trump for... <laughs> donald trump won for not showing up to that debate because what's the point it's not going to happen nagahina not going to happen I, you know, I didn't actually watch, I watched just like five seconds of it and I haven't seen very many clips yet, but I did have we somebody, I had somebody texting me, I actually had a reporter texting me and asking oh. me my opinion on the education piece of it. Um, you know, what a national, I guess they were talking about uh, school choice at the national level. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, you know, of course, you know, I just think we just need to end the department of education. My whole so. baby. Yes. You know, that's how we like it. And we don't have to worry about that. Exactly. Uh, we're glad to have Camilla here on set, but we've got more guests to join us on set this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. We're going to hear from uh, Brian Seitz, Missouri State Representative Brian Seitz. He'll be on set. The session is in. Yes. So I get all these free guests in studio, which there is kind of nice. That's convenient. We, we call Brian Seitz Superman mm -hmm. Seitz. Why? Well, that's just his thing. Like he has all kinds of Superman uh, memorabilia. You go, if you go into his office in the Capitol, it's Superman everything. Mm -hmm. And that's just, uh, that's his thing. It's 
everywhere with everything he he's does. He's got Superman toys. Did, yep. Isn't like his grandchild named like Kal-El from like the movie? Okay. Yes, I think so. I was thinking yeah. about that. I was like, wait, am I remembering that right? Yeah. But I think so, yes. But Brian Sides is like your standard rock-ribbed, right-wing, hardcore, yep. conservative, Trumper, Republican. He's from Branson, which yes. everybody knows. Yeah. And his background is kind of like, you know, the country music scene. And he did, he did, he worked a lot with like periodicals for like music back in the 90s and aughts. Uh, and he, I think he's also a preacher, isn't he? Isn't everybody in Southwest Missouri a preacher? It does seem that way. <laughs> ben, ben, yeah, right. Uh, ben Baker is a preacher. I'm pretty sure Brian Seitz is a preacher. Everybody has like a side gig as a preacher. And if you're if you're in Southwest Missouri, then it's like it's a requirement. It's a must. Well, I'm hearing that there's some preacher who's like just jumped into the presidential primary, too, because he like paid extra in order to get in for the caucuses. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, OK. Speaking of, somebody was texting me the other day because everybody's talking about Iowa caucus, Iowa caucus, right? But Missouri caucus, I haven't heard anything. Um, my buddy Ron Beadle over in Callaway hit me up and was like, Austin, we haven't talked, you know, I haven't heard anything about the caucuses here in Missouri. I know it's kind of a formality, but it's also kind of a fun social event, right? Go, you know, see some names and faces and make yourself heard or whatever. But do we have any information on Missouri caucuses? What's going on? I mean, March 2nd, we know that much. Um, we know they've got the rules set for it now. I still don't know if they're on the site or not. But I mean, you really have to get in contact with your central committee. That's just about the only source of information for it. Mm -hmm. So I, if the central committee is not doing a good job of getting information out to voters, then that's the first problem. Yeah, we need to get better information about what's going on with the Missouri caucus because I want to go, right? I want to go and I'll probably uh, caucus for and it's by county so it's going to be you know whoever's organizing it in your county okay so cole county the the seat yep. of government here jefferson city i know we all love government that way but uh anyways mary kramer's uh weighing in this morning what's up mary how you doing lovely lady she says that apparently brian seitz has a bill that limits the fed i believe it's a review of the presidential executive order at the state level We'll ask him about that. I haven't heard about that. We'll hear from him at 7.30 a.m. Central Time today. Uh, and, of course, everybody's excited about Vivek Ramaswamy. Apparently, he did, like, a Tim Cast episode last night that was kind of, like, rivalrous to the CNN Town Hall debate. I would not be surprised if more people watched Tim Cast than watched well, CNN. I'm sorry, but don't more people watch Tim Cast than CNN I anyway? I think so, yeah. A lot of these shows... Uh, yeah, I have personally, there have been episodes of my show, I think, that have, like, gotten higher ratings than MSNB. I think, they're, like, I pretty much, like, the Wake Up America show, which is, like, a freaking podcast, gets as much or more than some MSNBC mm -hmm. shows. I don't doubt it at all. Right. Now, did Trump do something last night, too? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Donald Trump did his own Fox Town Hall last night, and I've got some, okay. I've got some clips from that as well. So, he skipped it, and... You know, as my video game intro showed, he didn't, he won by not fighting, by not showing up, right? It reminds me of that scene from uh, uh, Enter the Dragon from Bruce Lee. In the very opening scene of this movie, um, Bruce Lee is getting harassed by this uh, Western dude who's like, what's your style? And he's like, he's like trying to start fights with everybody on the boat. And he gets in Bruce Lee's face and he's punching his face. He's like, come on, fight me, fight me. Like, you know, Ron DeSantis. He's like, come on, debate me, debate me. And uh, and and Bruce Lee in the movie is like, he's like, uh, my style, the art of fighting without fighting. And he's like, show me some. And he's like, okay, but not here. There's no room. 
Well, he's like, where? On that island. How will we get there? He goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, we'll take this, we could take this boat. And he's got like the little rowboat behind. What's up, Brian? Brian's a little early. We'll get him in here in just a few minutes. And he goes, he goes, all right. So he goes, all right. So the, the Western guy goes and he gets in the, in the little boat. And then Bruce Lee pushes the boat out. And the guy's like, you know, he's like, he's like, don't struggle. We push him back, right? And so the art of fighting without fighting. That's how Donald Trump wins. Uh, so we'll hear, uh, we'll talk about that this morning. And we've got some other fun, funny, silly, serious, depressing topics this mm -hmm. morning I've got for you today. Men who are lonely in life but won't admit it display these subtle behaviors. I've got that. We've also got seven simple habits that turn money into happiness, according to social psychology. This will be in the eight o'clock hour. And then diversity, equity, and inclusion pilots. Did you see this? That they're, the left is celebrating no more white guys in the cockpit of our planes. Oh, my goodness. You yes. didn't see this? I don't know if I did or not. Okay. So they're like, they show these two black women in the pot, in the plane and stuff like that. And uh, all I could think of was that movie Soul Plane, which I don't know if you ever saw, but <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. But, but I'm just like, oh, no. And it just it's funny because Boeing are the, like have like the biggest diversity, equity, inclusion standards out there. Mm -hmm. And their their freaking doors have been falling off of their planes. Did you see that last week? I did. Yeah. You know, what's really annoying too, is that, that Boeing is wanting more tax credits in St. Louis County, but that's another story. Uh, that's another story. Yeah. They are very crony capitalists, right? But the, um, no, it's just funny because this, the plane had a door rip off in, in uh, Alaska airlines, a Boeing yes. plane. And then all these, this news came out their DEI standards and they had to ground all of these planes. Because and they found out that there was like right. nine other planes that the doors were falling off. And it's kind of like, here's the thing. Put the DEI pilots on Air Force One. Well, you know, we're calling this D-I-E now. Die. You know, for Boeing, that's going to end up being literal if they keep it up. Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson, your host. We're glad and thankful to have you here on the show. I hope everybody's feeling good. Do me a favor, click that like button and subscribe to the channel. The Wake Up America shows every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. You can have your voice heard on the show today if you send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's the text line at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in and said, R.I.P. Krispy Kreme, you were a good donut. Make you become president of the donuts. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's early. Probably haven't had coffee yet. It is. Yes. Uh, Matt Unruh says, and he's been sick. I'm glad he's feeling better. He says, I didn't even know that the fifth debate happened. He's like a lot of Americans and he's politically connected and yeah. he's he's like awake and he had no idea. Well, me too. I mean, literally two days ago, somebody said something about debate watch parties and I was like, there's a debate. Mm -hmm. One listener texted in uh, at one twelve in the morning. Wow. Good morning. <laughs> said, in the history of the Iowa Republican caucus, a non-incumbent Republican winner has only gone on to win the nomination three times. Ford in 1976, Dole in 96, and George W. Bush in 2000. Hmm. In contrast, the New Hampshire primary has only not predicted the, the nominee twice in the same time frame. 96 and 2000. Iowa's nothing more than media hype, they say. Uh, Gerald Ford was also an incumbent, so Iowa's only been right twice. The only problem with that with that line of thinking is this, is that um, past results do not yield necessarily mean future results. 
like mm -hmm. every every presidential election always has some historic like factoid or statistic attached to it right right so there there'll always be something that's going to happen that never happened before in every presidential election because there's always a novelty to it sure well have you heard that for the caucus date so it's like a, is it a week from now it's the 15th um it's supposed to be like 20 below zero mm -hmm. so they're saying that could crater attendance which would mm. be interesting and i, I kind of wonder like who's people that affects most like who's the most motivated to get out there <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um uh let's hear from uh the debate last night on and this is ron DeSantis and nikki haley talking about um well donald trump take a listen trump was in court yesterday for a hearing on presidential immunity and Governor DeSantis, I'm wondering if you agree with the argument that Donald Trump's lawyer made in court that a president should have immunity for any conduct in office, including, as the judge asked, ordering the assassination of a political rival, unless the president gets impeached and convicted by the Senate for the offense first. Well, obviously, that attorney uh, gave the case away on that on that explanation. I think the D.C. Circuit is going to rule against Donald Trump on that issue. I'm not exactly sure what the outer limits are. I don't think it's necessarily been litigated. It's not going to be an issue with me because I'm always going to follow the Constitution um, and we're going to we're going to uphold uh, the, the best traditions of the office. And, and I'm going to be a president you can be proud of. Uh, you know, I think it's important that uh, people be able to look to the president and say, hey, you know, that, that's somebody that's that's worthy of emulating. And so my wife and I, we just view ourselves to try to, to do well for our kids and to make sure they're proud of us. And we set a good example. Uh, so, so that's what we would do. It's not a bad answer. I'll, I'll say this initially that when he says that the that he thinks that the D.C. court was going is going to rule against Trump. The D.C. court was going to rule against Trump like no matter what, right? The, there's There was never going to be a fair trial for Donald Trump in Washington, D.C. The judge has a famous statement. He says that a grand jury could indict a ham sandwich, right? It's right. Th there, there was, there's no way. Trump can't get fair trials, and not in New York, not in Georgia with these corrupt prosecutors, and certainly not in Washington, D.C. Now, I like Ron DeSantis's answer there, and it is true that Ron DeSantis has a whole lot less baggage here and mm -hmm. while this is a good conversation, it's just words like, what's the what's the statement? Sound and fury signifying nothing at the end of the day. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, if we applied the standards that they're going after him for now to every other president in the past, how many, mm -hmm. you know, what would that look like? Yes. Because, you know, because but here's the thing, the, the average voter is love Donald Trump more because of that Ron DeSantis sounded very presidential in this in, in when he said that. Mm -hmm. Here's here's the next president of the United States. Here's what he sounds like. He's going to be out of the race very soon. Going to be out very soon. You know, I watched him last night. He's standing up with his shoes, his fancy shoes. Uh, and he's going to be out of the race within, you know, a lot of people say before before New Hampshire. He's going to be he's going to be out of the race before New Hampshire. I've seen him in the debate, in the debate with his shoes, his fancy shoes. And, you know, did you hear the audience laughing, though? I mean, they were laughing. Well, I mean, that's always been part of um, Donald Trump's appeal, right? It's, it's funny. Kind of, yeah, but it's not just funny. Like, Trump on his own is not just funny funny. Mm -hmm. He's really only funny in that he mocks other people. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think for a lot of people, he's taken that too far sometimes. Well, that's how people are. Does it taking it too far. It's taking him so far, he's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue next year, right? It's it, That's <laughs> the thing. It, it, remember when he made fun of Rand Paul's hair? Yeah. When he was like talking about like that spaghetti hair, stuff like that. That's what, but here's the thing. What do you think the average voter is 
Camellia. It's I funny. I believe in people. I really yeah. do. Oh, boo. Oh, this woman. Boo, this woman. Boo. I believe in our ability to be better. What if I what of our, our, the better angels of our nature? You idiot. Get her off of the stage. Boo. No, no, no. You need to read more H.L. Mencken, right? You know, there's my dark side, right? <laughs> what is the quote where he says, he's like, at last one day, the plain people of the land will have their heart's desire and the White House will be adorned by someone just like them, an absolute moron. <laughs> come on, come on. You know what I'm saying, right? It's funny too because, like, listen. I, I mean, I like I want to overthrow the establishment and the elites that we have in this country right now. But nobody is going to say that we need to have like the problem with like right wing populism is that like it it assumes that we're going to go towards some kind of like that we have some egalitarian society. Like we're not just going to replace this set of elites with another set of elites. We are. We're. It, Here's the problem. Like a true egalitarian view or a populist view would really would lead to a form of like direct democracy, which we're opposed to. Right? We believe in the electoral college. So we think some people, their vote should count more than others. Well, and I <clears throat> yeah. I do think that the larger government grows, the less egalitarian we become as a people, as okay. a country. Right. But I was never egalitarian in the first place. Like, I don't think doctors and Starbucks baristas should get paid the same. Okay, no, well, yes. Okay. When I say egalitarian, I guess I mean in terms of, you know, our tendency to be giving and which we, I mean, like Americans are right. some of the most generous no, people in the world. I think of egalitarianism as like a true flat society of like no classes, no hierarchies, nothing like okay, that. Right. Yes. Right. So, sure. Right. So, but the problem with, with like where right wing populism goes wrong is that it's like, it assumes that we're going to overthrow these elites and we're not going to replace them with some other set of elites. We are. It's the, you're never not going to have elites in society. Now, you can talk about the wealth gap in society, and the left loves that, and certainly it started to infect more right-wing circles as well. But the question is, is like, do we have a wealth gap in this country because government has created this inequality? Or do we have a wealth gap because some people have merit and have done, and have done things to serve their fellow man that has made that given, you know, been a, a basketball star or whatever, right? So I it's think like it's both, right? At this point, especially it's both. Oh no, it's much more, I think, in in our common society today that we have wealth inequality due to cronyism right. and and things like that. But you know, um I know a lot of people out there are big fans of Vivek Ramaswamy, and I think yesterday he really truly showed why he should be Donald Trump's vice president. Take a look at how he turns this around. On reporters, Gavin McInnes was saying this as well yesterday. I'm glad Gavin has finally come around. Take a listen to how Vivek handled this line of questions from reporters and turned it against them. If this is okay, and uh, I'm just kind of curious on the the previous question that you yeah. those four things that were provably false. Yes. Were in the, and I'm just kind of curious. I know some of these guys. We've been following some of you guys. I'm curious if there's any national media who actually believe that they were that those. So they've been talking about this, these things that the national media has been wrong about COVID-19, the lab leak, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci, the shot, uh, you know, um, the, the Hillary Clinton dossier, dossier and all this stuff. So uh, he's getting a question there, not from a reporter, but from a citizen mm -hmm. in Iowa. So Vivek is and he's surrounded by reporters to listen to how Vivek does this. This is awesome. I'm, actually, it's a good question, Eddie. So Eddie's a, one of the you guys are colleagues, colleagues, two of the top state reps here. And I think that that's a rep. good 
Uh, it's a good thing to be curious about. Just by, by show of hands, who here is willing to admit that the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was indeed incorrectly reported by the mainstream media? Is there anybody here able to admit that that was incorrect reporting? It wouldn't be really appropriate for us to answer a question. Why not? Why would that be inappropriate? I think it would be inappropriate. What's inappropriate is lying to the public. We're, just, we're doing our job. Was the public lied to or did the media report on this set of facts that were provided? Was the public lied to or the media set a, a report of the set of facts that were legitimate? She's, she's dithering. So she's, huh. she's a reporter who's kind of like, she's trying to shift the blame for how right. the media behaved during the pandemic. Ooh, this is juicy stuff. Imagine him as VP. Were we fed information or did we just not do our jobs and actually dig? Right, right, right. <laughs> Quest fanning on the live stream dropped a buck in the tip jar. Thanks, Quest. He says, how about decentralization? We can grow to be a huge country with no more need for central control. I don't know. I mean, it's it just depends on um, depends on what view of the world in the future you'd like to see. So Let's continue. I, so on that's, this. that's a fair question. I actually think that the public was lied to long after the media systematically still understood that this was the product of the Steele dossier. The Steele dossier was a piece of Russian disinformation provided by the Hillary Clinton campaign that was served up to the federal government as a basis for issuing a FISA warrant to then potentially infiltrate a member of the opposition party. If this was Bush and Cheney doing it to John Kerry, this would have been the stuff of scandal, yes. impeachment and worse. And yet I think it was an intentional lie that the media said that that account, which we now know to be true, was actually the Russian disinformation. Now, Shauna, I would be charitable in my interpretation of that if it were just one instance. Let, let me give an easier one. Hey, this is such good stuff, but it's it's a little bit longer clip than I want to get into here, especially because we've got um, Missouri State Representative Brian Seitz on standby. We're going to get to him in just a few minutes before we go to a commercial break, though. Speaking of what the media lied to, did they lie to us about hydroxychloroquine? Did they lie to us about ivermectin? If you're one of the few people who didn't fall for that hoax, you can check out our website, quickrxstore.com. Use code SAVE10 to get 10% off. I think I saw our friend Urs Mommy is a big fan of the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. I think Brian Seitz and I have had this conversation too. Maybe I'll ask him about it if we have time. We're going to talk to him about Donald Trump, and we're going to talk about the Missouri legislative session. When we get back, visit quickrxstore.com. That's quickrxstore.com. Get all kinds of awesome little goodies because, you know, we all love drugs around here. We are libertarians after all. Use code SAVE10 to get 10% off. We'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We continually talk about health and things that can help us out in many different ways. We get many questions about ivermectin, where to get it, and we're constantly sending out links. And we thought, you know what? We just work together with QuickRx Store and see if we can get that link with the discount. So sure enough, they have a huge selection at the description box below. It has QuickRxStore.com. That's Q-U-I-C-K-R-X-S-T-O-R-E.com. Click in the description box below and put SAVE10, S-A-V-E-10, in the coupon code, and you get 10% off your order. So they have a huge selection of different things. Quality assurance, you can save really big. You can save a lot of money on them. And fast shipping, they've done a really great work for us. We've been able to send many people there. Again, if you're looking for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, then head that way today. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show 
at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America Show. We stream this show live. And do us a favor, will you? Send us a text if you'd like to have your voice heard. Or if you have a question for me or any of my guests on the program, you can see the text line down there in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. It's 573-319-1586. And you can text that line anytime, night or day. Sometimes I get hear from people on the weekends, and we're just chit-chatting back and forth while I drink a cup of hot chocolate and do my freedom fighting from home. Love to hear from you there again at 573-319-1586. Well, one of my favorite representatives, one of the most conservative Republicans in the state of Missouri from one of the most conservative parts of the state of Missouri is joining us live on set now. Haven't chatted to him in a little while. Missouri Representative Brian Seitz. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing, sir? Good morning, Austin. It's great to be here. Glad to have you here, Brian. Thanks so much for eating that mic like we love we love to see people do. No problem. Uh, glad, glad to have you here, uh, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here today. And uh, we, we were introducing you earlier today as a rock-ribbed, solid, hard-R Republican Trump conservative. Is that accurate, sir? I think that's very accurate. Sometimes I think I'm the last one or one of few. I'll uh, I'll look for bills to sponsor and I'll walk up and down the hallways and say, who's going to sponsor my conservative right-wing uh, freedom-loving bills? And then I just walk back to my office and say, well, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming in here and joining us today, Brian. Thanks so much for uh, for being here. Uh, so Donald Trump likely to be the nominee. Um, do you endorse Donald Trump or is, is he your candidate? Yeah, absolutely. 100 percent. From the minute he was at the top of the escalator and he and Melania came down, I've been on board the Trump train. Uh, of course, my area, southwest Missouri, is all for Trump. We're going to help him win the presidency again. OK. And what is it about Donald Trump that you particularly like better than DeSantis or Haley, for example. Yeah, basically, he's a pushback candidate. He's going to push back against the swamp. And uh, I just think freedom in America is the most important issue right now. Government overreach during the scandemic was horrid. And uh, a man like Donald Trump can bring us back, um, repeal some of these government regulations, secure our border. We we're being invaded from the South. And I think that Donald Trump can do that. Yeah, uh, well, I happen to agree with you. I I am actually in this primary supporting at this point Vivek Ramaswamy, right? And, and it's because not because I think he's going to win, but because I think that he is the closest to my views, and uh, I'd like to see him be vice presidential pick. Uh, what do you think? Do you like the young Vivek Ramaswamy? Yeah, yes or no? Like Vivek, um, I'm I'm rooting for Josh Hawley. Believe it or not, to be VP. Absolutely, hmm. I've called him Mr. Vice President for the past. <laughs> two years, whenever I see him. And I think he would be a, a good Midwestern, conservative, clean-cut young man to be the vice president of the United States. Vivek is a great, uh, great orator. He Vivek has is clean-cut. He has the right idea. I can't get past that pompadour. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Missouri State Representative Brian Size is from Branson, which is the most conservative part of the state. And uh, we were talking a little bit about your your history and your background. Is it true you are a preacher? Uh, have... Yes, I did that for 12 years right. uh, when God opened the door to the state house, kind of closed the door in that vein. 
but still love to study and teach the Bible and so forth. I am an 82nd Airborne veteran, so I'm very, I'm on the Veterans Committee. I hope to chair that committee when Dave Griffith retires and is term limited out. Okay, good to know. Well, we and we also appreciate Dave Griffith here on the show. He's Absolutely. a Green Beret. Thank you for your service. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, what's happening over there at the Moleg session. It's already started off, at least in the Senate side of things, with uh, a little bit of uh, mendacity and, and anger. Are you guys going to be able to get anything accomplished this year, or is it going to be like years past? Well, there's two schools of thought, especially in the House, because I'm most affiliated with the House side. We're either going to get quite a bit done, you know, people are running for various state offices and so forth, and they need to move to the right to be victorious, so maybe we can get some conservative things done in the House. The jury is still out in the Senate, but that's not something that I can control. Mm, good to know. Do you have any bills that you're sponsoring this year that you'd particularly like to see? Yeah, absolutely. I have a personhood bill to declare the infant in the womb to be a human person. That would provide the protections necessary in case initiative petition doesn't pass in the house roe v wade's going to make a comeback through initiative petition we could have abortion on demand in missouri i want to stop that with my personhood bill i've got a right to repair bill i think it's uh people who have motorcycles boats vehicles and so forth if they want to take it in their garage and repair it they shouldn't have to pay thousands of dollars to take it to a dealership because they can't get the codes to repair the devices on their vehicles. So I've got a right to repair bill. Um, last year, I ran a bill increasing the statute of limitations for childhood sexual assault survivors. It passed in the House 150 year, or 150 votes to zero, and we just need to do that earlier in the session. And the last major bill I have is to declare Branson, Missouri, the live entertainment capital of missouri okay great i hope you guys spend hours and hours and weeks and weeks arguing about that like the fact that you guys have a bill about prevail cheese aren't you are you guys going to make prevail cheese the official cheese of missouri brian well we got one coming up about uh cashew chicken which was in springfield missouri so cheese chicken oranges grapes whatever we need to do as long as you guys are working since legislation passed in the house we're going to do it. Okay. As long as you guys are arguing about Prevel cheese and making Branson the capital and all that kind of stuff, you aren't doing crap like taking away our freedom. So I'm all for it. There you go. Uh, Camilla, did you have a question? What was the bill somebody mentioned earlier? Um, what was that about that they thought maybe? Oh, it was one that Mary Kramer brought up. Uh, it's like limiting the Fed, uh, the federal intervention here in Missouri. Is she thinking of you or is she thinking of somebody else? Mm. Bill uh, for the past two years to allow the legislature to review executive orders mm, that come it. from Washington, D.C., whether it be a Republican president or a Democrat president. We are not to be governed by executive order. They're bypassing the legislature. So I have a bill in to allow us to review that. And if we find it incompatible with what we're doing here in Missouri, that would be sent to the attorney general for review. Who do you like in the Missouri governor's race? Well, I tell you what, I have endorsed Senator or, uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. I did that early. I've known the family for years. Uh, Jay and I get along really well. I think he has the right conservative credentials. But I do like Bill Eigel as well, and I'm good friends with him. But right now, I'm endorsing Jay Ashcroft for governor of the state of Missouri. But what was so what went into your decision of Eigel over Ashcroft? All right, both of them have similar viewpoints on many pieces of legislation and how to govern. 
the state of Missouri, we need to win. And I'm going to be very transparent here. I think uh, Bill Igel, a great man, a great senator, we work really well together, but he can only take votes from Jay Ashcroft. Does he have does he have the enough votes to actually win the governorship? Or if he continues to run for governor, is he going to take a percentage of votes from Jay Ashcroft and put in the current lieutenant governor in to be governor? Why not Lieutenant Governor Kehoe? Uh, we get along real well again as well. I think I'm a little bit more to the right of Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, and that's one of the reasons I'm supporting Trump nationwide. I think we need to clean out government. Let's get some new people in there. And, uh, you know, great men, great uh, possibilities. I'll be able to work with any of the three, but I am endorsing uh, Secretary of State Ashcroft. Good, good to know. Let me reset here for those who might just be tuning in. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show. We're glad to have you here. Please do me a favor. Click that like button real quick and subscribe to the channel if it's your first time here watching the show. I'm joined on set by our friend Camelia Peterson, who we love to have on Thursdays, and we're lucky enough to have her the whole show today. Let's give her a little round of applause. And also joining us, one of our favorite from the Missouri, favorites from the Missouri State House of Representatives is Representative Brian Seitz from Branson. We call him Superman Sites. Isn't it true one of your grandchildren is called named Kal-El after? My grandson is named Kal-El, and uh, he, he will inherit the uh, massive comic book collection that my son Daniel and I have. Now, does is he empowered by the heat of the, our yellow sun? He absolutely is, though, at his young age. We're kind of keeping him on the sun for right now. We don't want him to burn, and uh, his powers will develop, as mine did, in the later years. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here, Brian, and uh, thanks so much for uh, for standing up for what you believe in here. We've got too many squishy Republicans here in the state right. of Missouri, but we've also got a lot of weirdo Democrats. This is a little bit of insider baseball here on the Missouri state politics level, but did you see about how that uh, bimbo Democrat uh, Jess Piper uh, who has annoyed us to no end. The dirt road Democrat got a campaign finance violation after she was accusing every Republican of every single crime, every single which way from but loose. Did you did you see see the story yesterday? Yeah, I did hear about that. Jess doesn't like me, even though she's so far north as far as living in the state. I'm down in southwest Missouri. Uh, she hits me on Twitter every now and again to build up her uh, liberal credentials. Uh, all because one time I saw her wearing the mask and I said, why are you wearing that mask? Take that thing off. She hasn't <laughs> liked me ever since. But what was this, Camellia? It was like a campaign finance violation that uh, that she got busted for because she ran for office here unsuccessfully. Right. Well, she has raised a lot of money. Right, so, right. you know, people have been trying to ding her on that because, I mean, the thought is that she's really using this shtick for personal gain because she's been building her social media following. And I will add, she's been building her social media following because she likes to consistently drag white men She's very hung up on white men and commenting about that. She won't respond to people like me very rarely, but you put a white man in her timeline that's a Republican and she is all over that. You, like, know, what's, you know what's funny about all this hatred towards white men, Brian, that's guys like you and I, sure. is that you'll get Kamala Harris and your AOCs and they're all like, the colonizers, we have to stop the colonizers, right? But then they're all married to these white guys. So it's like colon, the, the colonizer in the streets, but colonized in the sheets. Yeah, I think some of this has to do with domination, and I'm not going to go into that. Maybe uh, there are just certain types of men that are not unwilling to be dominated well, by a left-wing liberal. And I'm going to go with that one. Don't want to get kicked out of church. Okay, well, let's... Uh, 
<laughs> but Brian, diversity, equity, and inclusion standards, ESG, I mean, these are real threats to our liberty. These are direct attacks on a meritocracy here in the United States. We saw that you know, Boeing had to ground many of their flights because their doors are falling off. They have one of the biggest diversity, equity, inclusion standards out there. I mean, it, but the thing is, Joe Biden, he's not putting diversity people in the pilot in the pilot seat of Air Force One, but they want the rest of us to, you know, to have doctors who are like doing TikToks while we're getting surgery. And that's a real thing. And it happens. I'm, I kid you not. Right. Your thoughts. Well, you know that I put in one of the first, if not the first, uh, anti-1619 and CRT bills to remove that sort of thing from the education process. I put that in two years ago. I remember even taking it to the Speaker of the House and I said, hey, we need to stop the 1619 project from being taught because that was the beginning of this sort of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion type movement. And uh, he asked me, you know, what's a 1619 project? So we had to go through a, a time period of education for legislators to what was actually going on. Now the genie's out of the bag. Everybody knows it needs to be stopped. It's disingenuous. We sh it's racist as far as I'm concerned in many instances because a person should not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Diversity, equity, inclusion seems to want to move people up the ladder um, based on their skin color. Let's just all get along and forget all of this division. Uh, thank you for that injunction, Brian Sides, the Martin Luther King Jr. injunction. We appreciate that. I think our audience really appreciates it as well. Do us a favor if you like the show. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel so you can come back and join us here every Monday through Friday. I'm speaking to Missouri State Representative Brian Seitz from Branson. Camelia Peterson is also joining us here live on set. I was having a conversation the other day, uh, Brian, with uh, Bill Eigel, uh running for governor about a couple of issues that were fairly controversial. They, they caused a big stir here in the state of Missouri. I think they're pretty straightforward freedom issues, but they, they do tend to kind of mm, separate the difference between like a libertarian Republican like myself and perhaps a conservative Republican like you. I'd like to ask you, if I will, the same questions that I asked Bill Igel the other day. One, I'm sure you saw this story uh, about the satanic temple in Iowa, putting the statue there in the Iowa Capitol. Uh, I asked Bill Igel if he would allow that as a freedom of expression in the Missouri State Capitol if he was governor. He said he would fire the person who would, who would do it, but he didn't seem to know kind of like the background of the intentions of the people who do that. They're not really Satanists, they're atheists, right? And their job is to, they, they see their job is to kind of troll Christians. He said, any, we, we won't have any offensive statue in the Missouri State Capitol. I'm not Chris, I'm not Muslim, but it, as I would be offended if we had a Muslim statue in, in the Missouri State Capitol. What would be your standard for something like that in terms of religious liberty here in the state of Missouri? If, if people wanted to have an Islamic icon in the Capitol or a satanic icon in the Capitol. Is that something that you would be a, a ideologically opposed to that the law should prevent? Or is does religious liberty lie to, like, does that apply to everyone in your mind? What are your thoughts? Religious liberty has to do with individual religious liberty to worship God in whatever way you would see fit. As far as placing a satanic statue in the Capitol, I would say absolutely not. And that's probably where I do my first sit-in. I'd sit in front of it or, or, <laughs> Stop people from coming to see it. Absolutely not. Uh, you can look at our founding documents and you can see what our found, founding fathers wrote in those state constitutions and so forth. Our liberties are derived from scriptural precepts as found in the Bible. 
They're not derived from the Church of Satan or Islam or any. So other you you would Islam. apply that to Islam as well. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So only freedom. Only only Christian icons would be allowed. No, I wouldn't even be for putting Christian icons. I'm not for that separation of church and state. It doesn't exist in the Constitution. That was a letter written by Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist declaring that there would be no state-sponsored religion. But this is a Christian nation. As far as the icons and the trappings of a certain denomination and so forth, no. Would I be opposed to a a cross or some sort of symbolism representing uh, Christ and so forth? No, I would not be opposed to that whatsoever. But but an Islamic icon like a crescent moon, you would be opposed to? Absolutely. I think there is an argument to be made here um, when when we're talking about this issue for historical significance. Like a lot of these things are there because um, they have been significant in our history, um, which is why we have a lot of the Greek and Roman mythology statues and, you know, symbols alongside the Christian ones in there, because I think that those are things that have um, been common to people historically in America. And so I do think there's probably an argument for keeping those things, uh, you know, being okay with those things well, being it's like around a Christmas just for their, tree, right? For their historical significance, right? Right. right I'm cultural. not religious, but right. I still celebrate Christmas because that's our family tradition. I still have a Christmas tree, but we have, you know, my wife's Jewish, so we have a Star of David on the tree, right? Which makes no sense, right? but it's just we like to party and we like to have fun, right? So we we celebrate a little bit of everything because that's just how we are. So so you do make a delineation between like a Christian cross and an Islamic crescent moon and a satanic statue. I do. Now, again, I want to be very clear Mm -hmm. that we do have freedom of religion in this country. And again, I say you can worship God in whatever you see, whatever way you see fit. But as far as putting something in the Capitol and demonstrating that as, as something that we would support, Islam is not a religion that's, uh, um, presents kindness and love as far as that sort of thing goes. Uh, God is love is not in the Quran. It is in the scriptures. Plus, our nation was founded upon Christian precepts, I think, to present those ideals and ideas, even historically, would be appropriate in the capital. Let's say um, another uh, hot topic that I was discussing with Igel the other day that uh, apparently ruffled some feathers. Uh, another issue is, let's say you have, um, you know, two parents that are involved in a car accident and they have a child who, uh, you know, th- who is now orphaned. They've got a lesbian aunt and the lesbian aunt is really close to the family and she wants to adopt her nephew as her child. Should gay couples be allowed to adopt here in the state of Missouri? I think it's important that children stay with their families in as many instances as possible. But I'm going to have to take that Christian stance again. Would I would I rather have a child be raised by a family member? One hundred percent. But would I rather have them raised by someone who I'll just point it out. I consider having a deviant sexual behavior. I would say absolutely not. That child needs to be protected. So then you would prefer that that child be adopted off to someone outside of the family rather than be adopted by a member of their own family if that person happened to be gay. That's a, that's a sticky issue. That is a very sticky issue. Yeah, that's, that's why I ask, because it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to go again and uh, present my Christian ideas, I think the, ch- the child does need to be raised or should be raised with a close family member, but that's just something uh, as far as that uh, activity 
No, I don't think a child needs to be raised in that environment. Okay. Um, in vitro fertilization, uh, is that abortion? In vitro fertilization? Mm -hmm. So parents who are unable to conceive naturally will go to a fertilization clinic. They will then uh, remove several eggs from the mother. Uh, the father will be the sperm donor. They will then mix it up in a in a cocktail in a lab. There will so there will be several viable embryos. They will choose the most viable of all of the viable embryos, and then the other viable embryos will be discarded. That's the in vitro fertilization process in many cases. No, I think after implantation, that would be considered an abortion if something was was done to stop the exponential growth of the infant in the womb. No, I don't consider the destruction of those. Uh, now, so they are fertilized. So they, they are conceived viable alone, but they are can, the well. They could be viable if they were implanted, or if an artificial womb were brought in, which that technology is rapidly approaching. Sure. So, uh, it, but it, I, it, it's if it's conception, if it's life at conception, you know, once the sperm fertilizes the egg, that is occurring. That's happening. It's just happening outside the womb, and those could be children if they were implanted. Well, we, we have to look at the issue of ectopic pregnancies as well, that there may be a conception, there may be some someone conceived, but they're in the uh, fallopian tube, they're not going to live, they're, the harm of the mother could be caused, she could die if not treated and so forth. That's not considered an abortion because that uh, conception is not in the womb, implanted in the womb, that's not considered an abortion. So why would uh, the destruction of embryos and so forth outside of the womb be considered abortion, I would say it would not. Well, here's the thing. If you fertilize an embryo, even outside of the womb, and you continue to maintain the conditions for which the embryo is the, and is currently living, it will develop. It will develop into a human being, and it could then be implanted into an artificial womb, for example. Most of what happens, though, it is discarded. And at least from any pro-life conservative Christian view that I've heard is that Life begins at conception, yes. right? So meaning that as soon as that happens, that it, it, it becomes a, vi a, a viable embryo. Do you really think that most people who believe in life at conception um, really think about that in terms of pre-implantation? Yes, because the Catholic Church does forbid in vitro well, fertilization. And, yeah. and so it is a very important, very sticky point, right? Josh Hawley, your vice presidential pick here, is a, is a Catholic. Uh, and therefore, he is forbidden to support in vitro fertilization. We're talking about real laws from real lawmakers that will be coming down the pike. So you would oppose the Catholic tradition on this? Absolutely. I think implantation would be in the womb. And I go back to the ectopic pregnancy. Yeah, sure. It's not viable. And uh, the woman's health is at risk. That's something that needs to be taken care of. Uh, so, no, I would say implantation has a lot to do with it. Sure. Blue Trike over on the, the uh, live stream says all embryos can be used. It's a fallacy that some of the embryos have to be discarded. Well, they can, but that's not what happens. They, it's, the, it's frequently the case that those embryos are discarded, and so therefore the Catholic Church does oppose that. And it is a, a, a difficult question because my, my conception always has been that life begins at conception, which means the, the point of fertilization. And if that's the case, and again, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not God. Uh, 
if that's the case, then I think that the in vitro question when it comes to abortion does pose a sticky situation. But that's why these are fun and interesting conversations, aren't they, Brian? Sure, I enjoy it. Well, I'm, listen, I appreciate that you as a politician still have the guts to say what you believe and answer these kinds of questions, Brian, because we do get people who come on the set here and who just who won't answer these kinds of questions. Right. So I appreciate that you got some guts, but you're also not running for high office right now. <laughs> no, I'm doing well exactly where I'm at representing 156 district. There we go. All right, Brian, tell us, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? No, I think oftentimes we hear in uh, social media and other areas, the doom and gloom, the world is coming to the end and so forth. But when I say God is in control, I actually mean that. Um, the outcome for us, especially as believers, is a positive one. Keep looking forward. We don't need to look behind and we we keep looking forward. America's the greatest nation in the world, and we're going to fight to keep it that way. Brian, I couldn't find you on Twitter this morning. I was trying to tag you on the show. Uh, do you have a, an X slash Twitter account? or I have a Twitter account, and I'll what is just it? say my son Daniel runs my Twitter account. Okay. I'm technologically inept. I've probably seen it two or three times. He'll say, Dad, what do you think of this? And then he'll put my comment on Twitter. So okay, you there can you find me there. I'm there. I mean, this somewhere. is what Trump used to do, right? Before he actually got yeah. started on Twitter, like he had somebody else doing it until he decided that he could do it, and then it was Brian. We need to unleash you on Twitter, Brian. Did some tweeting at two in the morning, and if you're seventy some years old and you're tweeting at two in the morning, you're on the toilet. You don't need to be tweeting. <laughs> To what he said, though, I just would like to say we are white pilled here, and so I am appreciate that you said that. You yeah, do need to be optimistic. Agree. White pilled means that we are very optimistic about the future. Black pilled would be the opposite. Red pilled means that we are awake, and it is bright and early on the Wake Up America show. So we are red pilled and white pilled. Brian Seitz of Missouri, we appreciate uh, Branson, Missouri. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate you. Let's give him a round of applause. All right, when we get back, more of Camellia and I bantering. Can I make her blush? We'll find out when we get back on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I was, Camellia and I were arguing about something at the break. I'm like, let's argue about it on the show. Camellia is joining us here live, and it's studio. Good morning. Everybody's talking about the ectopic pregnancies, <laughs> and you liked his response to this. You liked Brian Science's response. Go ahead and tell me why you liked it, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> well, so you, I think, had this on Twitter the other day and somebody yesterday, maybe, and somebody said at implantation, and I agree with that. Uh -huh. I agree with the stance that um, Brian took. No, um, it's it's still a pregnancy. It's still a child. It's It's a pregnancy that won't be viable, but the fertilized egg is a potential human being. That means that whether or not it's going to be able to survive in the womb as it is an ectopic pregnancy is immaterial because if you remove the ectopic pregnancy, you could potentially implant it either into an artificial womb or perhaps put it in the correct place in the ovaries. Therefore, meaning that you could or, or you know, it's not the ovaries, but whatever the little area is where the baby has grown. I have no idea where, where do babies come from? <laughs> Just kidding. So it's still if you remove it, even if it's an ectopic pregnancy, it's still an abortion. Okay, but if you're well, it is still an abortion okay. because you could remove that. You could remove that embryo, put it in an artificial womb, and it would grow just fine. Okay, it wouldn't be viable that, as an ectopic pregnancy. All right, you're saying that the morality depends on the technology. No, no, I'm not. I'm saying that that listen. I don't believe in a higher power, right? But if there were, then 
and that this is people are not gonna like this, then that higher power is committing an abortion. Okay. I don't, since I don't believe that, I believe that nature is creating an abortion. Nature is aborting that potential child. It's a child either way. Just because it's an ectopic pregnancy does not negate its humanness. You're saying that if, unless it's, it's, it's inside this one area of the, of the womb versus another area of the womb, then it's not a human being. Yes, it is. It is still a potential human being. Okay, but I'm agreeing I also, with the Catholic Church to an extent. Sure, but I think that you're not necessarily coming at it from a moral angle. You're coming at it from a scientific angle. The thing is, yes, like, are you saying yes, that? But I, I can do both, by the way. But yes, sure. I, yeah, and I can see that. Um, but that would be like saying that you can't, um, you know, abort an ectopic pregnancy no. to save the life of the mother because I'm it would be that. immoral. No, I'm not saying that. I've never said that. And you're putting words in my mouth. The Church, by the way, says yes to life and no to IVF. The Catholic Church's official position on in vitro fertilization is no. Um, and there's a whole list of why. The church says no to IVF due to the massive destruction of embryonic life. The assault on the meaning of the conjugal act and the treatment of the child is a product, not a gift. I never placed a, a, a moral standard on saying that you, you know, that the mother, that you, if you had to choose between the life of the mother, and the life of the child, that you would, you couldn't make a moral decision there as you please. Right. And I think probably most would probably choose the life of the mother in that situation. And, and if so, then I don't necessarily think that there's that there's an immoral that they're committing an immoral act. However, I that doesn't change the science science that it is even if it's an ectopic pregnancy, a it is a sure. potential human being. Yeah, and and actually, and you know, the thing is, that I can see this um, from the perspective of you know the the idea that we shouldn't be playing God with um, life. Mm -hmm. and, but there are, and there are lots of ways in which we do that, you know, whether you believe in, in God or not. Um, but, you know, so if, if we're not going to do that, that does, does mean that you have to accept the fact that if you're unable to have children, you're, you have, you just don't have children or you adopt. Well, that, I mean, that is the position of the Catholic church. And I disagree. Sure. I think that it's probably not immoral to use in vitro fertilization and create embryos that would potentially be human beings in order to create the life of one human being it's in unfortunately that's that's such a sticky area because once you say life begins at conception at this point which i think it probably is although i don't say it absolutely definitely is that it's just my best guess mm -hmm. right that life begins at conception when the sperm fertilizes the egg no matter where it happens mm -hmm. right if if the if a scientist takes an egg and we do this all the time out of a woman and takes a sperm from a man, and it's in a test tube. They used to call them test tube babies, right? Right, and and they grow that child, they grow that embryo independently of a of a human being as the typical birthing process, and grow it in an artificial womb. That human being still has the same right to life as any human who is who is born of a woman. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Thank you. I do know that how men love to hear. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I do love to hear that. Uh, good morning for those who are just tuning into the Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson. We're glad and thankful to have you here. I have that text line up on the screen these days. I don't know if you can read it with the little chicken down there, but 573-319-1586 is the text line. Again, the text lines are open at 573-319-1586. Brendel Bear says, so is the mother at fault when she has a miscarriage? Answer, no, of course not. That's no. just nature. It is an abortion. It's a spontaneous abortion, but it's still an abortion. Right. Just when a woman has a miscarriage, it's still killing a child. It's not her fault, but it's still an abortion. It's just a natural abortion. A miscarriage is an abortion. You're aborting the process of life 
not you're not doing it on purpose, but nature is committing the abortion. To right. And that's where you get into the scientific definition of the term versus the um, you know, how most people view the political the word definition abortion, of the right. word abortion. Yes. So anyways, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, you can text the show at five, seven, three. 319-1586. The text lines are open. You look like you want to say something. No. <laughs> we just skipped, covered it all today so far. What else? <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I think it's fun. Um, and I thought that Representative Sykes did a good job of answering those questions. He did too. I think I think he did too. I, I think he's he's not quite right. It's interesting the difference between like the Protestants and the Catholics on this mm-hmm. issue, right? Mm-hmm. Right, because you see that split on it right Right. where you summa theologica on the catholic side and then you know down home good old-fashioned corn and grits you know conservatism on the on the baptist side of things i don't know if he's baptist but it sounded pretty baptist yeah yeah he's baptist i'm not entirely sure all right let's move on to some more fun topics men who are lonely in life but won't admit it often display these nine subtle behaviors listen up men here we go there's a poignant difference between being alone and feeling lonely over Christmas break, um, the the family we got together and played this game of it's kind of like would you rather, and you have to like rank on a scale of like one to five what you think the other family members are willing to put up with, or like what would be the worst for them okay. to endure. And one of the things that came up for me that my other family members had to guess, you know, on a ranking on a scale of one to five, one being not that bad, five being very bad. Um, where would Austin rank having to spend a year alone in a cabin uh, out in the woods, you know, by himself? Where would you rank that for me? For you? Yeah. And is it in one is like the lowest? One is like not so bad. Oh, okay. Five is like this is the worst. I think you would be at a five. Really? You think yes. it would be bad? Yeah. Wow. You are so wrong. <laughs> You would not survive alone with nobody around for that long. What's funny about this is that is that you got this so wrong, and my and um my my wife Stephanie got it very wrong. It's like you guys don't even know me. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say I'll say this: uh, my brother got it right because my brother knows that I have spent hours and hours and hours and hours alone in my room watching TV playing video games, reading books and, you know, writing, you know, just being productive. I had internet and I've got books a year in a cabin. Maybe. I mean, I think that there is a difference between um, knowing that you have the option of being Mm -hmm. around other people versus not. I mean, think about COVID, right? How people, how that affected people, because it wasn't so much that um, they couldn't handle being alone. It was just like the option was being taken away. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's a very distinct difference with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you? How would you do? Not so well, or you think you'd be fine with it? I would probably be fine. I don't know that I would love it, but, you know, I think people sometimes think that I'm, I go around to all these events and do these things. I'm a social butterfly and the reality is my life is pretty boring. No, no, no. You don't, you no, no. Here's the thing. You, you have come out of your cocoon. You are a butterfly now, but when I first met you, you were, you were very like, there's a picture of you standing in the woods with your oh hands. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, with like, it's kind of a pixelated about, picture I'm of you. fine with being in the woods, you know. And you've got like this, my- you know, those people that have like sister wives, you know, with a little bump in their hair. You know what I'm talking about? Like this, the, the Mormons that are like, that have like sister wives and stuff. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And, they, and the dresses that they wear. 
you didn't have like the bump in your hair with no. like you know that little thing like the Amish or whatever they are the Men- well, not Mennonites but it's Pentecostals. like Pentecostals no it's like there's it's like a it's like a Mormon sect where they have like the bump in their hair and then they but they wear these these dresses that are like you know pioneer 1800 little house on the prairie dress was not like that I swear it was. that dress is the dress I have gotten more compliments on than any other dress in my life yeah okay well, well all five of the people in your life at that time <laughs> okay uh well anyways uh yes that 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 is the old you that is the the worm camellia right oh, before you nice. before you went into the cocoon and then you metamorphosed the before times metamorphosed, the before times yes and then you came out of your cocoon anyways enough about our personal lives so they're talking about men and who are who are lonely but who won't admit it right there's a fine line between being self-reliant and excessively independent men are often raised with the notion that they must be self-sufficient i was absolutely raised with that right never show any signs of weakness or dependency now this learning about not showing signs of weakness that was not conditioned in me by my family but from the women in my life that i dated right because i realized and and some men right if you're a, if you're a boy uh growing up and you show weakness then you'll get picked on by men but you there's nothing that hurts worse than the rejection of a woman and you show weakness or you cry women like they get the ick you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. so we learn as men never show any signs of weakness or dependency that is a really bad one right now it's a valuable trait right if i'm out in the woods for a year alone and you know uh, on self-reliance right pulling a thoreau mm-hmm. uh then that's good but we are social beings right we do need meaningful connections like you were saying right so if you kind of notice that a man is excessively independent, he might be masking a sense of loneliness. Your thoughts? Well, I think that this is something interesting that's happened with the um, rise of feminism is that this idea that men needed to be self-sufficient and alone and do their own thing, because it hasn't always been that way. There were men's spaces before and men did things together as men. And I think that there for a while people were like, oh, no, you should be, you know, even though women are strong, men should be manly men and be able to do things on your own. Um, but I do think we're kind of coming back around now and, and people are starting to emphasize more men are starting to create men's groups and spaces that are for, and I think that's healthy. It's good. Yeah. I like to hear that. Uh, one listener texted in this morning and said, Austin is a lumberjack. He'd be fine. Hell yes. <laughs> Easily a one for him says Bryant Wolfen. Thank you very much, Brian. Yeah. What's up, Bryant? Uh, another listener texted in this morning and says, I just signed my daughter up for the black belt program in karate. Any advice from one ninja to another? Yeah, I would say that, like, obviously the physical side of karate is the most important in terms of, you know, getting stronger and conditioning and building up, um, you know, your your self-confidence. But I wouldn't ignore the uh, spiritual side of karate. So I'll recommend a book for your daughter um, by Gichin Funakoshi, who was the founder of of karate. Uh, and I gave a copy of it to Camellia for Christmas, I think a, little, a year ago. Here it mm-hmm. is. The 20 Guiding Principles of Karate, The Spiritual Legacy of the Master. And in it is like the philosophical side of karate. I say spiritual, but it's really more philosophical. Uh, you learn uh, in this book about a lot of karate teachers won't teach you like the philosophy of karate. They won't sit down because everybody needs to like get up and get moving and get sweating. They won't teach you about rei, which means respect in Japanese. Karate begins and ends with respect. Number two in karate is uh, there is no first strike in karate. So it's about being peaceful and defensive in your use of the arts. Um, You know, karate is like boiling water, right? You have to keep applying heat to it or or else it will stop boiling, right? You'll, You'll lose your skills. 
So I would I would highly recommend that you get her a copy of this book, The 20 Guiding Principles of Karate, The Spiritual Legacy of the Master. But I would, you know, I would just replace the word spiritual with um, the philosophical uh, legacy of the master. And it's it's a really good book. So highly recommend that you check that out. Okay. We're talking about uh, traits that men might have that will show that they're lonely, even if they won't admit it. Number two, this is probably an easy one to spot, overly focused on work. I suppose so. I mean, people have different different, different definitions of that. Well, but... some people use it as a distraction if they've got pain sure. in their life, right? For example, if you've had a really bad breakup, sometimes it can be good to like put yourself into your work. But then uh, other ways, like you're not confronting or dealing with, with your problems. To That's an extent, true. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah. When my mom passed away as a kid, I the way that I dealt with that was to be very social. So I spent, I threw my my myself into social situations with friends, summer camps. And I think that was actually a healthy way of coping with things. But my dad actually, he was really upset by it because I wasn't spending much time at home. Mm -hmm. And he thought that that was how I was supposed to cope with grief was to be home. Right. And, and it's difficult because everybody copes with grief in different ways. Um, so if you lose someone in your life and maybe you throw yourself into work, it might be that you're not confronting the the problems that you have, right? Well, and I think that there's one, I think there's one in this list further down that is kind of the opposite of that in the, in the withdrawal, mm -hmm. right? The, the antisocial part of it. I mean, you know, sometimes when people are dealing with that sort of thing, they just want to avoid and, you know, curl up and go to sleep and... Here's one that I actually will admit that I do struggle with, and this is something that I never struggled with before in my life until I would say maybe the last five to seven years, and this is unusual sleep patterns, hmm. right? So sleep is deeply connected to our emotional well-being. Research indicates that people who feel lonely are more likely to suffer from fragmented sleep. So if something really bothers me or disturbs me right now, it will interfere with my sleep patterns. It, it it will keep me up at night. It used to be before that it was no problem. I would close my eyes, even if I had, you know, some problem or something like that. I would close my eyes and go to sleep. Like times in my life when I had money problems, when I wasn't making much money, and I'm concerned about like how I'm going to make rent next month or whatever it is, losing sleep was never an issue until about five to seven years ago, right? And are you sure that's not just getting old? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but here's the thing. It's like, even I can tell it's different now sure. in in that I think about different things and I have different concerns, obviously, mm -hmm. as an adult and, and, you know, getting old. But no, I, I know what you're saying, because there are I like I've never, ever had a problem sleeping. Mm -hmm. I've been like my head hits the pillow. I'm out. Um, I've just not been able to understand people who deal with insomnia. And I just can't imagine that. Um, but. You're, I, I have kind of experienced the same thing now. Like if I, if there's a lot going on, I will wake up at bizarrely early hours of the morning. I just can't shut my brain off. Mm. Like it's just constant. And there's, there's no point in even trying to go back to sleep because my brain won't stop. Mm -hmm. won't quit. Uh, the next item on the list of, of men who are lonely in life, but won't admit it, display these behaviors, less engagement in social activities, right? So they pull back from social right. activities, right? They might start withdrawing, turning down invitations, preferring to stay home alone. That's a big red flag that I think maybe is a little bit easier, right, to, to see. Right. Increased online activity, right? Spending more time online. I got a lot of friends that, um, and they love to smoke weed and, and play video games. And listen, as somebody who's indulged in the past, I, I can, I understand the allure, but 
I, I see some of my friends like there's kind of a failure to launch where mm -hmm. there it the time that they're spending doing that really should be spent to, in order to achieve the things that they say they want to achieve at least right needs to be spent like going out and being social and building relationships and bonds that are healthy. I mean, you can still smoke weed and hang out with friends and at least you're being social and things like that. But a lot of times, man, people and well, I did it when I was a teenager too, kind of like nerded out online. And there was a lot of concern from like some of my teachers sometimes when I would like, I would spend a lot of time reading. This is before the internet was doing and my teachers were like, hey, it's gonna kind of gonna be weird. Mm -hmm. All the kids are socializing and Austin's reading a book. Which, um, you know, I was kind of like, well, that's because I'm trying to get smart, you idiots, you know. Uh, but, you know, it is important for us to, you know, to log off and to look each other in the eye, you know. Agreed. The eye. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, lack of personal care. Oh, yeah, that one's pretty, uh, pretty obvious. Yeah. It's, what are, uh, what, uh, like, okay, so there is the Alpha news shower. Day. No, here's the thing, though. This is like, I don't know. This, I don't know what brought this up again. But men, whether you're lonely or depressed or not, just keep in mind that you do have to actually use a washcloth or something and wash your feet, not just let the soapy water run over them. I just I just let the water, soapy just water run over my feet. And then I and then our drain has been backed up for like a month right now. So I stand in like a puddle of water and I yeah, yeah, and I don't even like—I don't even clean my feet. Right? Some little zippy line things for that. I tried it; it didn't you work. Have a long, you have a oh really? Okay, I have a like, wife have a with, with long, long red hair. curly hair, yeah. so it's never going to happen. <laughs> it happens. Right? Yes, number seven: irritability and mood swings. Right, so if somebody starts snapping, out of the you know their mood would swing uh, unpredictably. Right, it might be because the guy is feeling lonely. Right, they, people can show signs of irritability or anger. It's not necessarily that they're naturally grumpy or short-tempered, but maybe loneliness is causing emotional turmoil. Sure, yeah. sure. The next one on the list here, change in eating habits, right? Uh, loneliness can manifest itself in many ways, including changing in eating habits. That's what I'm going to blame my 250 pounds on. Some people may lose their appetite and start skipping meals. Others, others might start overeating as a way to cope with their feelings. So if you see somebody blowing up or gaining a lot of weight, that could be why they're depressed. Right. And I think this is why, you know, when they when men are talked to you about like turning their lives around and really starting to make forward progress, that one of the most common pieces of advice that you hear is to like go to the gym, mm -hmm. lift weights, be physically active, like you channel that, you know, channel some energy into that because that will in turn like, you know, feelings follow action. Yeah. Right. So I lead the warm up in my karate class last night. And, you know, this is the fattest I've ever been. But it's also the strongest I've ever been because I have worked out regularly. I eat like crap, but I, I work out like two, three times a week, right? So I've stayed very strong. Uh, and the more push-ups that you, that you do, the stronger you have to be because the fatter you are, the more weight you're actually lifting here. Uh, Corey and Callie says, Austin's taking jabs at Camellia all day. Camellia needs to fight back. Listen, Camellia, Camellia can't, can't make fun of me as good as I can make fun of me, okay? Nobody makes fun of me as good as I make fun of me. Camelia can try with, with her one little eye. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Austin gets his due from time to time, but, you know, just... I do. It's true. It's true, right? Well, we, got, we all got to get together and party one day. Uh, Arvolt24 says, the comment about washing feet, the best way to not have smelly feet is to wear clean socks. If you sweat, change your socks, too. 
I yeah. hope so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but the point of the the point of the karate thing uh, story was that last night when I was teaching uh, the class, you know, we got a couple of overweight people in the class and they're all like, <gasps> and I'm like, look at me, I'm proof. You can be fat and you can be strong. Okay. So look at, you know, it's, you know, it's not an excuse to be fat and just fat because you can be fat and still be strong and work and work out. You're not necessarily in so shape. Are you going to switch your goal in life to be a sumo wrestler? Um, I've, I've thought about it. It would be fun actually. <laughs> Can't imagine intentionally trying to get that big. Uh, no, not necessarily that big, but um, but I, you know, the thing is, is that like, even though like I'm a decent fighter, right? I'm not like great at grappling. I'm okay at grappling, but uh, if somebody did attack me, it wouldn't necessarily be my karate skills that would be giving me the advantage as much as it is the humongous like stomach and ass. I would be throwing at you these days, right? I could it's the... unreal how much they have to eat to maintain yes. that. Oh, yeah. It's fun to watch, to like watch uh, documentaries about the sumo diets that they have. Mm -hmm. Right? They eat like big giant bowls of noodles and things like that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I would love to do a sumo uh, uh, match one day. That would be kind of cool. Uh, we're talking about traits of men who might be depressed. Uh, number nine, lack of enthusiasm for life. That's pretty broad. Uh, but a general lack of enthusiasm for life might be a sign that a man is de depressed. They might be disconnected, lost, or simply going through the motions of life without truly living as if the color has drained from their world. It's a sign of deep-rooted loneliness that needs addressing. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's lack of motivation. I mean, these are all signs of of clinical depression, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard for, for men to seek help, but it's it's getting easier with the availability of the online telehealth, like what Steffi does, right. for example, because you, it, it, there's something about going in person to to a, a therapist. I think a lot of people would, you know, grouse at. I mean, I think there's a stigma, you know, with men mm -hmm. about actually uh, talking mm -hmm. about how they feel too, and there are a lot of men who just don't feel comfortable doing that. And I think that there are things. That's why I think there are things that men, particularly, can do on the physical end of things that may be better for them than just like talking. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, for those who are just tuning into the Wake Up America show live this morning, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. Uh, do me a favor and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. We'd love to have you come back and join us here. The show schedules every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the show. We'd be glad to have you come back and join us. Um, real quick, before we move on to the next section, uh, Camelia got a little bit of news. Grab that box of, do I have a box of Thomas's painkiller in front of you at all? Is there a box of the Thomases? Yes, yes, right there. Okay, so we've got some good news here. Hold it up here, you lovely lady. Um, we've got $2 off until tomorrow oh. on a box of Thomas's painkiller. Uh, we sent out an email yesterday. You should definitely be on our email list. Did you happen to see it about Thomas's pain's bones, how they've been like scattered all over Europe? Oh, I know that story, but yeah. I did not see the email yet. Okay, yes. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't signed up for email alerts at AP for Liberty Shop, you're definitely missing out because we send out coupons for things. And we also offer a little bit of value in that we um, we tell you little stories about the founding fathers from yeah. time to time. Very cool. Yesterday's email was about our $2 off a box of Thomas's painkiller. And it's as many boxes as you want. So if you buy three or four or five boxes, you get $2 off per mm, box. This is one of my favorites. So I'm going to have to do that because I'm out. Yeah, it is. a So today it's only good until today. It expires tomorrow. Okay. So head to AP for Liberty Shop. I even created a little scene for this. AP for Liberty Shop.com. There you go. I'll even put on a little music. Uh, AP for Liberty Shop.com. It's our patriotic merchandise shop where you can get not only delicious coffee, founding uh, father's 
flavor. <laughs> founding flavor, 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 flavor. Not only can you get Founding Fathers themed coffee, we also have uh, other awesome patriotic merchandise. Our friend Javier Malay from Argentina doesn't have a merch shop anywhere like we do. Even we even have him as Pepe the Frog, so which means that I guess he's a white supremacist frog. I'm just kidding. Uh, we've got uh, Javier merchandise over at the store as well that you can't get anywhere else. My favorite new items that we've added in the shop recently are our patriotic metal signs, which we've started to sell a little bit more here and there. You can customize these metal signs to say whatever you want. So our friend Urz Mommy yesterday, she got a metal sign. And she got one with her house number so that she hang, hangs it outside. That's neat. And, and they're they're steel and they are um, weatherized so that they can go indoors or outdoors. Multiple colors, multiple different patterns, and you can customize them to your liking. So check those out at ap4libertyshop.com. The AP is the number with the number four for those of you who are listening to the podcast later. Check it out and go ahead and you get that uh, $2 off your Thomas's painkiller and the code, the merchant code to use to get that $2 off painkiller, but spelled like Thomas's pain, Thomas Payne's name. So P-A-I-N-E killer painkiller will get you that $2 off over at AP for Liberty. That's AP, the number four, AP for Liberty shop.com. Did you want to say something, Camille? No. Okay. Cool. All right. We're going to take a very brief little commercial break. And when we get back, I've got another topic. Oh, and it is. Oh, seven simple habits that turn money into happiness. I'm going to. Can't buy me love. Oh, that's love. Oh, can God. Buy you love? Money can <laughs> buy you love. We'll talk about what they are when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show. At wakeupamericashow.com. Everybody feeling good? I told you. 90 minutes into the show. And you guys are already in a good mood. Great. Well, we got lots more content to go. And we got lots of reasons to smile like the lovely lady sitting next to me. Camelia, what's up, CJ? Good morning. What is today? Thursday? Today, I know, right? This Happy week. Thursday. I feel like I'm still kind of in holidays mode to some extent, right? Where you kind of forget what day it is and all the stuff. I'm giving people a lot of grace still, like, for not getting back to me on things because I'm like, oh, last week was just, you know, still holiday week. That was out Monday. We're still getting caught up, right? We're all still getting caught up. I mean, I kind of am. Uh, my email inbox has just been me too, right? slammed and I've been doing my best. But you know what it is? It's like I still got the Christmas tree up at home. So it's kind of like eh. whenever whenever Christmas tree up grows up, I guess I will call it Christmas tree brain. Where it's like, I just, I stopped thinking about the troubles of the world and I just, you know, I'm in a happy mood, but it's time to take it down and get some work done. So let's get the show on the road. We've been having a little bit more fun talking about a little less political stuff here in the second half of the hour, because we were talking about in vitro fertilization and ectopic pregnancies with Brian Seitz and it was rancorous, perhaps. Uh, at least it was on the chat. Let's talk about something fun. Seven simple habits that turn money into happiness, according to social psychology. So I've been thinking about money a lot lately, right? And entrepreneurship, like how can I get rich? Because I want to build a libertarian media company. If I want to do like movies and I want to do documentaries on a grand scale and I want to do more shows like the Wake Up America show, I'm going to need a lot of money, right? To hire people. It just, it's so expensive. And Nobody wants to work and you can't pay somebody 12 to 15 hours, dollars an hour to do what we're doing, right? So I've been getting savvy using artificial intelligence. I've been learning about ways to like, you know, to grow my e-commerce business, sell more metal signs, sell more coffee, right? Uh, but then once you've got the money, let's say you've got the money, right? How do, do, does money actually make you happy? 
Yes. <laughs> it does. I mean, it, sure, can. it can play a significant part, yes. Well, at least it can make you comfortable in your misery, as they say. <laughs> People with lots of money who are never going to be happy, but that's like a, a whole other thing. Exactly, exactly. I'm reading this story over at Inc.com about money and whether or not you can actually use it to buy happiness. Uh, I didn't agree with all of these mm. simple habits that they had, but I do think that some of them have merit. The first one on this list is a very like millennial Gen Z kind of a thing, which is to buy experiences, not things, right? Um, buying a bigger house. I would think that would make me happy, but... You know, I, I, I'm i not... Think about that. A bigger house yes. is more to clean. Yes. Although That's I, my job. philosophy... Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, okay, then have mercy on your wife. But no. the thing is, is like your, your stuff expands to fill your space too. Just mm -hmm. like the things you do expand to fill your time. Yeah. So I just I want just, a really big karate dojo, right? Because sure. we, we had a couple of um, our friends from our karate class on Wednesday. They wanted to work out with us at home. The guy brought his, like almost his whole family. I didn't realize it wasn't his whole family. And there were there were four of us in that uh, dojo, wow, I yeah. think. Me, yeah, no, no. One, two, three. There were five of us. That's crowded. In that dojo. And I think we're going to have six on Saturday. So neat that you're doing that. Yeah, yeah just teaching because uh, they want to work out a little bit more and, and uh, be ready for class on Wednesdays. So and there's nowhere else for us to train. So we have this tiny little room. You've seen it in uh -huh. our house. Right. So I would like a bigger house for that reason. But I have to say that my trip to Japan with Stephanie last year, that was priceless. I mean, we did save a lot of money because of the way we did it, not through a travel agency. But I would say that like experiences, those are the things you remember. The stuff is just stuff. Right. right. You know? Yeah. I've become a big fan of of doing experiences, you know, so that's I just it's sometimes it's a challenge to think of what you can do but with my daughters. I mean, for Felicity. For Christmas, it was a concert and it'll be a trip with it. But I told her, it's like, you're not getting really anything else. I think I might have gotten her one other little thing, but that will be more meaningful for her than any of the other stuff I could get her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, experiences, not things, right? Uh, the, one of the things, I mean, people think about cars and houses and all that stuff. I would like a nice car and a nice house, but, you know, I can't afford it. So I just, I lie to myself and I tell me, I don't need those things. But one of the things I think in terms of material possessions that the conversations I've been having lately is about all the stuff that like when a parent or a grandparent dies, they were behind all these tchotchkes and all this stuff that isn't necessarily worth like you collect all these items. And then it's like, what is what are you going to do with them? You know, and you can't it's hard to get rid of some of this stuff. Right. Yeah. Nobody wants it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I will say that I always was, was a little concerned about that with my parents, but they have scaled down considerably mm -hmm. <laughs> and they moved into a smaller house. And so I think that, I mean, it was kind of necessary in that case, but my dad is a tinker and does lots of, he's um, very creative. And so his, is, he has a big shop building and let's just say it's full. Yeah. Seven simple habits that turn money into happiness, according to social psychology, buy as many small pleasures as possible. So research shows happiness is more strongly associated with the frequency rather than the intensity of positive, effective experiences. You do that because you buy ice cream all the time. Well, not all the time. Yes, you do. Just you like, buy ice cream a lot. That's not true. You always are eating ice cream from Andy's. Last night, what'd you get? Where'd you go last night? Went to the ice cream factory. Yeah, you went to the ice cream factory last night. How dare you? And it was delicious. So you just buy lots of ice cream, lots like not a big giant thing of ice cream, but a lot right. of little ice creams all the time. Yeah. Well, and I, this, this 
part was really interesting to me because I hadn't really thought about that, but it is true. Like it is, you know, if you have it, I think it goes on to talk about it, like big peak experiences, Mm -hmm. like you hit that high peak and then, you know, you've got the equal down. So lots of smaller experiences probably kind of keep you on more of an even keel and it builds. Right. Well, and when I was a kid or when a teenager, you know, growing up, like I would want to have the gigantic, like Dairy Queen blizzard. Right. But you don't think, you don't know when you're a kid, you have one bite, it's awesome. Second bite, really good. Third mm-hmm. bite, good. By the time you get halfway through that blizzard, you're right. like, okay, it all tastes the same. Okay. Right, right, right. So I'm a big believer in the micro yeah. blizzards because, by, you know, by the time you finish that, that micro blizzard, mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? That was just enough. Yep. But when I see you going to Andy's, you get the big, that you do too. When they have because you get a, a jackhammer, they put it in a medium. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice excuse. But wait a minute. Where did Neil take us out in St. Louis that we went to? And you got some giant honking thing with caramel all over it and stuff. Oh you're just like so decadent. You're like, you're so funny because you're all like, oh, the decadence. And you're like criticizing decadence. And then meanwhile, she says one thing on the podcast, and then like we go out for ice cream, and Camelia's like honking. Here's the thing: I don't do it all the time, but I do believe in enjoying good things when I do have them. And so, yes, there have been times where I have um, ordered chocolate gelato and then tiramisu after them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Andy Opperman says he does aquariums as a hobby. That's cool. That's neat. Always able to find a way to spend more money than is reasonable. At his income level, yes. It's impressive because I can't keep fish alive. <laughs> I know, I know. Like to, to monitor, I can't even keep the pH level in my tiny little plastic hot tub I had in my backyard for a year. Mm. I couldn't even like keep the 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 algae from growing right. in that. You know, right. I said algae, not algae. All right. Uh, number four, help others. Uh, that is nice. So it's like, yeah, when I was yes. teaching the the kids who came to to my house last week um you know that i really enjoyed that i did that and then i spent a 2 hour training session for my brother to teach him all my ai tools right and spent my saturday kind of helping him out with all that i get a lot of happiness out of that i do too right that is yeah that's i don't know you know people different people have different ways of what they find rewarding and for me that's a big one number 5 on this list always consider your everyday life Right. So uh, here's how he describes this. He bought a new miter saw, big blade, lots of adjustability, easy to calibrate, lots of cool features. It's a great saw, but it's way too heavy. Loading it on myself is a bear, so I often take my old smaller saw. Research shows what seem like irrelevant details when you consider a purchase eventually make a huge difference in your happiness with that purchase. Consumers who expect a single purchase to have a lasting impact on their happiness might make a more realistic prediction if they simply thought about it as a tip in a typical day of their life, right? So if you're about to make a big purchase, don't just think about the upsides. What are the downsides? Pros and cons, mm-hmm, right? For sure. Yeah. Number six, comparison shop with focus. That sounds odd, right? Don't you want to make the best decision possible when you spend money? Yes, but the research shows comparison shopping can distract you from the attributes of a product that are important for your happiness and cause you to focus on attributes that distinguish available options. So a lightweight single bevel miter might, might be what you need, but it's easy to be distracted by one with dual bevel capability. I have no idea what the hell that is. The key is to decide what you need 
like easy portability and setup, and then comparison shop on the basis of those needs. Don't let irrelevant concerns creep in. Yeah. Now, this made me think of just yesterday, was it yesterday, day before yesterday, maybe, I needed, I've been having some issues with my car since for a while. It doesn't start and I've had to jump, you know, charge the battery, but the bad, they say the battery's good, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I needed something and I didn't know they made such a thing that if I got, if I was out on the road, there were no cars around to jump start my car that I had something. And so they make like a, a starter battery thing that you can charge and carry with you. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, I need one of those. I know I'm coming up here. It's cold. It's in the winter and I've been having issues. Like I need it now. I don't have time to do all of this massive research. So I was talking to my dad about it and I did some a minimal research, you know, Amazon, Walmart looked at reviews, you know, those sort of things. And he was like, well, have you, have you researched the different kinds? He was like, have you watched any of the YouTube reviews and things like that? I'm like, Nope. I'm like, I don't have time to do all that. And like I've read, you know, I read the basics of it from a few reviews enough to know what I needed. I don't need the compressor with it. I don't need all of this other stuff where right. it's more likely something's to go wrong. I know what I need. And then I'm just and I went with that. There you go. Uh the next simple habit, the final one on this list, follow the right crowd. Happiness like success is individually defined. Even so. Research suggests the best way to predict how much you will enjoy an experience is to see how much other people enjoyed it, right? So that doesn't mean you should just do what other people do, but consider doing what other people tend to enjoy who are like you, right? So if you have a, a, a friend who likes similar movies as you, you know, get movie recommendations from them, or if you know someone who is really into good books, getting book recommendations from them, right? So contractor friends are a good source of tool recommendations. And apparently, my friend Caleb Vanderfeltz is a great recommendation for accountants in mid-Missouri area. He and and uh, plumbers as well, because I'm pretty sure he recommended the people who just did our plumbing work. So there's some people who are like know everything. Caleb Vanderfeltz knows everything and everybody here in mid-Missouri. So thank you, Caleb Vanderfeltz, for that. It's true that when I was in St. Louis and wanted to find a good place to eat, who do you think I texted? Yeah, good, yeah, Neil. Neil knows good good foods. He's a restaurant owner. Right. Yeah. Well, Quest Fanning dropped a buck in the tip jar. Thank you, Quest. We appreciate that. He says, uh, recommendation, massage chair with SL track. We use it several times a day. Thank you, Quest. We appreciate that. I do like my heating pad that I use on my lower back when I get that old man back pain after karate. Um, okay, so we've got about 20 minutes left on the show, and I've got one topic that I didn't prepare you for, Camelia, but it's going to be fun. Are you ready? Bring it on. So this one came out of, this story came out of the end of last year, but it's always like a yearly fun story that we usually like to, to talk about on the show, but we haven't done yet, uh, which, so we'll do it now, which is the full list of rejected license plates in Missouri. Yay! Oh, I saw this. I kind of briefly looked through the list. Uh, so this is the list of people who apply for a license plate in Missouri, their plate gets rejected and we are going to go through it. FYI, this is, we're about to go into PG 13 slash rated R territory. So I know we do have people who listen to this with their kids. Please do turn the volume down. This is not a good time for the little children to be hearing because we're going to be talking about license plates that are profane perhaps okay so this was your warning don't blame me if your child starts man yes you guys have your minds are in the gutter yes okay so i'm gonna read the license plate to you letter by letter number by number and you have to say (laughs) what it is are you ready about that okay p-e-t-i-a-f what p-e-t-i 
AF. What is it? Oh, I'm assuming that's petty AF. Yes. <laughs> Where's Jamie Marie Pope? <laughs> so funny. She tells a story about one time um, uh, uh, she was in an argument with a guy and um, he told her she was pretty. And she was like, well, that's a really weird thing to say. And she was like, you know, thanks. And she said later, her friend said, no, Jamie, he said that you're petty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. G O N E six nine. Okay. Okay. I think we know. Yeah, I think we know. B T C H E S. B T C H. Bitches. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Bitches really be tripping. Um, A visual person. V dash B T C H. V. V bitch, I don't know. I don't. That's weird. F dash T R U M P. Oh well. <laughs> okay, so apparently not everybody in Missouri is a Trump fan. Apparently not. G I T F K T. Okay. It's like it's the it's like you know the Swedish chef's way of saying. Uh. I-N-C-E-L. Well, incel. I don't want to put that on their license plate. I have no idea. Claimed? I know, that's weird. Okay, here we go. T-I-T-B-A-G. Okay, serious <laughs> blank. <laughs> Some of you are just crap. Too much. What? All right, and the Gross. next one, T-3-A-B-A-G. T-3-A. <laughs> We're not sipping the tea. Tea bags. Or spilling it. Yes. Um, MLF dash GTR. Oh, good grief. <laughs> what is it? No. Say it. No way. MLF. Uh, well, let's just say uh, apparently some men like older women. Yes. <laughs> Milk getter. Yes. Um, F-U-H-Q-U. Q-H? Yeah. F U H Q U. I don't. That does not make sense to me. Uh, okay, but why the H? F U H Q U Q. Uh, okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Yeah, right. Jeez. Okay, on the H, was the H necessary? Could we not? I was just to throw you off. Okay, T T S H K R. I'm trying to sound it out. T T S H K R. Uh, S. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should be looking at the Rumble chat. That yeah, they probably are enjoying it right there. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to end the show a little early today. That's because they need the studio at 9 a.m. Don't be too sad. We're going to break down. We will be back tomorrow, and it is Friday, Freedom Family Friday. Camelia, thanks for joining us on set in studio today. It's fun. We appreciate you very much. Thank you very much for listening and watching the Wake Up America show. If you haven't yet, before you leave, make sure you click like and subscribe to the channel so you can come back and join us. Freedom Family Friday tomorrow means my brother is going to be on set yes. uh, in studio. Not in studio, but on the show. Along with my wife, Stephanie, who will be on set. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you come back tomorrow. And don't forget to visit ap4libertyshop.com. We've got that $2 off Thomas's Painkiller Coffee, and it's happening today. Use code PAINKILLER 
There you go, P-A-I-N-E. Yeah, get you some coffee, some founding flavors, coffee, support the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. Anything else that you want to say, Camelia, before we go? No, have a great day. And Missourians, get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah, get your mind out of the gutter, everybody. We'll see you guys tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Expansive time.